0: It's Wednesday, October 10th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is The Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Dallas, Texas. Well, we are thrilled to have my friend um, Heather Platt on The Defender Podcast today, and Heather and David served together at McLean Bible Church and previously uh, had been with the International Mission Board, as well as uh, my current home church, the Church of Brook Hills. And Heather and David have been outspoken advocates for adoption and foster care and orphan care. And Heather is just a a, a fantastic mom, even though at times I know she'll say she doesn't feel like it. Um, But one of the things I love is that she's just so honest about uh, the reality of day-to-day life. And so we're we're thrilled to have Heather on. Heather, thanks for being here. And just would you first tell us the story of how you and David first came to the place of seeking adoption for your family and bringing Caleb into your home?
1: So we had really longed. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on here. This is really, it's fun and exciting to be a part of. And so I just, yeah, praying for this time that it could be an encouragement to somebody, but so we we longed for kids for a long time before the Lord provided, and it definitely was just a, a struggle in a way that the Lord really uh, sanctified us. And so for years, we had tried biologically to have children, and the Lord had just not chosen to bless us in that kind of way. And so we were looking into the possibility of adoption, but at that point, we lived in New Orleans. Uh, Louisiana, and we just didn't know that many families that had ever adopted. And so uh, there was a, a sweet family that just gave us some information. I remember having dinner with them and they they just kind of explained the adoption process to us and and we walked away from there at first, kind of just a little discouraged about the amount of paperwork and the expense and and just the struggle that you know international adoption, would be. And so, so at the beginning of this whole process, I would say my heart felt kind of bitter that it seemed so easy for everyone else to have kids. But for some reason, David and I just seemed to struggle and just seemed kind of unfair. And so my heart was really closed off to even the possibility. And so that was in the spring and that fall was, uh, I, I taught school and we were getting ready for the start of school. And, uh, at my school, they, they, it was the, it was going to be the first day of school that Monday and that Friday, right before the first day of school, they said, Hey, put all your, your chairs up. Um, there's going to be a storm. And sometimes our school would get a little bit of flooding because we lived in kind of, I mean, it it was kind of located in a low lying area of new Orleans. And so, uh, they said, put your chairs up. There might be, there's going to be a bad storm on Monday and we might get a little bit of, of rain and some flooding. So begrudgingly, I had worked so hard in my room to get ready for my class. Begrudgingly, I put everything up. And that happened to be the Monday of Hurricane Katrina, (laughs) where everything was totally wiped out. So our house had eight feet of water. My school had 13 feet of water. So we lost everything. And uh, we had evacuated, by God's grace, with just a few uh, items of clothing and uh, our wedding album. And then everything just totally changed from that point forward. So we evacuated and my school never was rebuilt. We ended up not even getting to go back to New Orleans to see our house for several months. And um, during that time, I'm telling all this because it really does have a significant value of how we decided to adopt. During that time, we moved back in with my mother-in-law in in Atlanta for a little while. And I lost my job teaching and David was teaching online at the seminary at New Orleans uh, Seminary. And I had all this free time. And so I, the Lord just like totally changed my heart. I don't know what it was. It was just crazy how he used such a like tragic situation to change my heart completely about adoption. And instead of a, uh, we're going to have to adopt, it totally became a, we get to adopt. Mm. And he just really transformed my mind and my thinking about, about adoption. And so we started the process of, digging through all kinds of materials and looking at all these different countries we could possibly adopt from because I had plenty of time. I had all this time to fill out paperwork and it seemed like a great time. We didn't have a house, but that was just a minor detail in my mind. So, uh, so we started the adoption process to Kazakhstan and, um, oh, it was so freeing and such a relief to me that even though I didn't know who this child was, that one day I was going to be a mom and I didn't know how long it was going to take, but um, I had just longed for, it had been about four years at this point where we had tried to have kids. And the Lord just said, hey, this is how I want to form your family. And so it was it was really an exciting time. And so during, during that whole process of trying to figure out if we were going back to New Orleans and what we were going to do, um, we ended up moving to Birmingham, Alabama. And about a year and a half after we started that adoption process, I got a phone call and a amazing picture of our oldest child Caleb and a week later we left for Kazakhstan so it was pretty crazy because all of our paperwork was about to expire right when we got the referral of Caleb so Lifeline totally stepped in and helped us dramatically get all that paperwork taken care of before we left a week later and I just remember that time being sweet exciting nerve-wracking and so much fun. And so we left for Kazakhstan and spent about uh, two months there in Kazakhstan, a little less than two months, which was really long, truly, for uh, an adoption process. But it just happened to be the way that particular country did their process. And we, yeah, we we didn't have any other children. And so we we spent those two months in Kazakhstan and um, the way Kazakhstan wanted us to do it was to visit him in the morning and in the afternoons. And so by the time we brought him into our apartment in Kazakhstan, we had seen him every day for about a month. And it just felt like a really natural process. And so I was scared to death and total basket case. I had no idea what I was doing. All of a sudden, I had an 11-month-old that was I was supposed to know how to feed and take care of. I don't know what to do. And it was 20 below in Kazakhstan in February and March. So we were uh, inside a lot, but it just, yeah, the Lord just totally mm. transformed our minds and our hearts about adoption. And the minute we adopted Caleb, we looked at each other on the way out of the courtroom in Kazakhstan. We said, "Oh, let's do this again. Let's totally adopt again."
0: <laughs> so, uh,
1: yeah. So that began other processes that happened later on, which we can, I'm sure, talk about a little bit later too.
0: <laughs> well, and that, I mean that really does so you came home and as the Lord built your family had been told really that, that you wouldn't have any biological children. And you come back from Kazakhstan and you find out that lo and behold, you are pregnant. Um,
1: Yes. And so
0: little Joshua comes into your life and then you start another process and tell a little bit about that because that process didn't start the way it ended. So you really felt led to Nepal and then we know that you brought Mary Ruth home from China so talk about uh maybe not even the details but just the the emotion of having a process that started one way and ended another way
1: yeah so so right as soon as we got home from Kazakhstan I found out I was pregnant with Joshua so it had been five years of trying to have children before I ever you know was before we brought Caleb home and then of course Joshua was born nine months later and so right after that, that time of Joshua being born, we started an adoption to Nepal and we felt really strongly. I mean, the Lord, I believe, really impressed in our hearts to um, start this adoption from Nepal and uh, just through a variety of reasons. And again, Lifeline was really helpful and kind in that whole process um, that adoptions were shut down in Nepal right before we were about to be matched with a child. So we had waited about a year and a half and it was excruciating. It was a long emotional wait. Cause even though we, at this point had two kids and honestly, I was way in over my head at this point, they were 19 months apart. I really just was exhausted all of the time. Um, but we just, we knew that we wanted to have more kids and we wanted to adopt again. And it was very confusing because we felt so strongly that Nepal was where he was telling us to adopt from. And it just, it didn't come to fruition. And, and so, um, during that time, I believe Herbie, it was your office. I came crying into with David one day and, uh, you actually, your advice was, I think you need a stable program, Heather. (laughs) I seemed a little unstable at that point. I was, just really sad that, you know, we had, we had, uh, yeah, it just wasn't looking like we were going to be able to bring a child home from Nepal. And so we, we did, we started that China adoption process and, you know, by God's grace, again, it was a very pretty systematic, uh, a program that, you know, followed pretty much a, a system of how things are done. And so, uh, about a year after we started that process, we went to China for two weeks with our whole family, and got to meet Mary Ruth for the first time and uh, adopted her when she was 14 months old. And uh, that, that process was it, was, it was hard because the difference between our Kazakhstan adoption and our China adoption is that for Kazakhstan, we got Caleb's picture and then left a week later. And so there wasn't a whole lot of time where I knew who he was. And then didn't even, you know, then before I got to see him, but with Mary Ruth, it was about, you know, six months where I knew who she was and I saw her picture, but I couldn't go get her yet. And I had to wait about six months before I was able to go to China and bring her home as our daughter. And, and so, you know, during that time, our family, of course, we prayed diligently for her. We longed for her. I mean, ah, the scriptures, just really the Psalms. I have so many references in the Psalms, even as I read my Bible again through this year, of just like begging and praying God to protect and guard Mary Ruth and to to uh, prepare her heart for our family and to just yeah, be with her to to be her to to be her father uh, the father to the fatherless, and so it's just really neat to to go back and look at the times of my Praying, because it was really hard to wait. I found in this whole process of adoption that I'm not a very patient person. (laughs) So uh, that has been one of the most sanctifying things uh, before the adoption and after the adoption, because I'm still apparently not a very patient person with the kids that I have now. So anyway, I um, I just remember that time. It being a really uh, hard time waiting on Nepal and then it closing down. And then also waiting once I knew that Mary Ruth was going to be our daughter, just waiting for that to come to fruition. So we were able to go to China.
0: And, you know, I I know y'all speak often and you say you kind of have a a two for one policy. Mm -hmm. And so y'all came home with Caleb and then Joshua came on board. You came home with Mary Ruth and then you found out Isaiah was on his way. And so
1: yeah, that the was- Lord has <laughs> totally grown
0: your family um, through adoption and orphan care in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. And I know that now, I mean, you're, you're almost 12 years uh, to the point that you brought Caleb home. Uh, he'll be 13 soon. He's 12. Um, Joshua's 11 and Mary Ruth is 8. Uh, so talk about, you know, we, 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 a lot of times, and and we talk about these stories of bringing these children home, but now you're just living life, teaching them, instructing them, discipling them. What is, what does normal day life look like? And what encouragement would you give to other adoptive moms who are home from the journey and now really in the tough part, which is the discipling and the training and the growing and the equipping?
1: That's good. Well, today is definitely just one of those, in some ways, mundane days of teaching and, yeah, being with the kids. I homeschool them, and it, I mean, every year we say we will just evaluate where we are and what we're doing, and so, so far, we uh, yeah, it's worked out for me to be able to stay and homeschool the kids, which has been a, a, a big blessing, but again, I don't know what next year holds, so we, we just, we hold on to that lightly, that uh, no matter, what the kids are doing or what their needs are, that we're open to whatever the Lord would have for us to do for them school wise, but discipling our kids. I mean, it looks like us, you know, just doing the everyday things. A lot of times we spend a lot of time on character issues. That was actually one of our (laughs) uh, things this morning when we all kind of woke up grumpy and a little tired from uh, a travel day we had yesterday. And, You know, how do we pull it back together and point them towards Christ? And so for us, that's time around the breakfast table, doing our devotional. And, uh, and it looks different. I have all different ages. Like you you said, Caleb's 12, Joshua's 10, Mary's eight, and then Isaiah's five. And so we have just this variety of ages that we're, we're constantly trying to pour the gospel into. And so sometimes we are hitting the younger age. Sometimes we're hitting the older age, um, we use a lot of, we love the right now media videos. So we, we were doing the Philippians study this morning and then spending time reading our uh, Lottie Moon biography, Uh kid's version. I mean, totally fun, easy way to, to, uh, I think it's YWAM that produces the the kids biographies. I know your family uses them a lot, Herbie. Yeah, but,
0: we love them. Yeah.
1: Um, they're great to just, yeah, impart heroes of the faith um, knowledge of heroes of the faith, and so we've we've been reading through some of those biographies together. And honestly, it's a lot of just talking through things, and a lot of apology. I tell you the the thing my kids will know, and that they will be able to tell their grandchildren one day is my mom was definitely not perfect, and she uh she made a lot of mistakes, but she always said she was sorry. <laughs> and we yeah, we always talk about forgiveness in, in our house, and. She really did love Jesus, but, um, uh, anyway, and then the, the encouragement I have for moms that have just, maybe you're kind of on the, the other side of the adoption process where things are settled in, like you've had the attachment time and everyone is just kind of moving along, right? They're growing up and they're asking questions. Um, I, I find that for my kids as they get older, They just have a ton of questions, Um, particularly, well, all my kids have questions, right? They're always, it always happens at bedtime too. I don't know why we can't ask questions that are deep theological questions (laughs) earlier in the day, other than like eight 30, but our nine o'clock, but that seems to be when it comes out the most, but they're asking a lot of questions, particularly my adopted children about, yeah, their, their birth parents. And so the conversations I have a lot with them is about their birth family. And, and those are hard conversations to have. Uh, And so my, the the best advice anyone ever gave to me uh, in this whole, like next stage of adoption parenting is, uh, is don't freak out. That was like the first thing that happened when Caleb asked the first time about his birth family. I just kind of, like freaked out. It's not that we had never talked about it. Like we had talked about his birth family all the time. I mean, we talked about time in Kazakhstan. We we like celebrate Kazakh things. We celebrate Chinese, you know, special days. We learn about culture. I mean, so it's not like we've we've not, you know, tried to impart like heritage, their heritage into their lives. But when they really started asking more hard questions about their birth family, and I just didn't have the answers to them. I just didn't know what to do. And And, uh, and so the best advice actually from the international adoption clinic, uh, that they gave me was just be a good listener, Heather. Don't freak out. Don't, don't act offended when they question and ask things about their birth parents. Like, like I wasn't enough or that I, I wasn't the mom that I needed to be to them, but just listen to their heart and pray for their birth families and let them express what they need to express to you about their you know their past and uh and so I've really taken that to heart and and we do a lot of listening around here I I spend a lot of time listening to them talk about their birth family and wondering what what life would be like and uh what the differences maybe would be and we just kind of talk through that and process through it and sometimes it ends in tears for everybody and a lot of times it ends in tears and almost every time it ends in praying for their family in Kazakhstan or their family in China. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, and for Mary Ruth, it means that when she says you're the, she doesn't say you're the best mom in the world. She says you're one of the best moms in the world. And Mm. that's okay. Like it's okay that, uh, I am not their only mom. They have a, they have a birth mom and dad that chose life for them. And, uh, for whatever reason, we're, you know, we're allowing them to be adopted. So it's just part of this growing up phase as they get older, as they become teenagers even, and um, their identity and helping them process through all that. It's It's been hard. But it's been really good. And it ends up in some really, I think, um, encouraging and sweet conversations.
0: Well, I know that, that obviously the mundane, uh, for you, a lot of times is the behind the scenes, the teaching, the the training of the children. And I mean, you do have a husband that, uh, that the Lord has used in mighty ways here in the United States and around the world. And a lot of times he's on stages with spotlights, but you, uh, you both do so much behind the scenes with your family, discipling your family. But I also know that, you know, Ashley and I, for instance, uh, are about as opposite as you can get. Um, and I know that you and David are pretty opposite as well, but I know Ashley and I have seen this, and, and you guys have seen it as well, that those differences really are complements to each other. Um, so while you and David are very different, how do you see those differences complementing you in the way you raise your children, but also in the way you do ministry?
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I think you're exactly right. We are polar opposites. I mean, I'm an extrovert. He's an introvert. Our jobs are absolutely the opposite of our personalities, right? Because he is hes a more introverted person but has a job that is literally around people a lot of the time. And I'm an extrovert and have a job that <laughs> is around people. It's my kids all the time. and uh, But it, they're, they're, I don't have as much outside interaction with people my age. So... Um, but I think it is such a compliment for our kids, right? Because David is, he is the exact opposite of me when it comes to just processing things and the way I'm a much more emotional kind of thinker and feeler. So, I mean, the kids come to me when they are needing somebody to feel deeply with them, but they go to David when they need like, wisdom and, and understanding. I mean, I'd like to think that we kind of do a little bit of both, right? I'd like to think they come to me for some kind of wisdom sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think that we are, uh, yeah, we, we have different strengths. And even our kids can kind of see that. I mean, they do not go to David's side of the bed in the middle of the night. They definitely come to mine. And so, uh, <laughs> um, and then also in the way that we interact and play with them. I mean, they go to David for... Physical wrestling and playing outside, and they come to me for uh, just maybe a little bit more quieter kind of. Well, they kind of call me. I'm kind of boring because I'm more of the educational person that has to make them do all of their schoolwork sometimes. So I used to be a lot more fun, but I, uh, I think I've lost some of my funness. But hopefully that'll come back as I as I the kids get older too, and I don't have to stay on them as much about their schoolwork, and they can do a lot more independently. But We uh, are—we're definitely. I feel like a compliment to each other in the way that we're we're discipling our kids and and uh, yeah, where I am a hot mess, David's really steady, and where David is kind of boring, I'm a lot more fun. So, (laughs) or at least.
0: (laughs) Well, I I think God is just—he's so gracious in the way that He uses that, and and I I would just encourage you know other couples as well because. I mean, certainly, Heather, you know this as well, that in the messiness of the, of the day-to-day life, it would be easier to have a companion that sees the world exactly the way you see it, <laughs> um, and it's stretching to have someone who doesn't see it the way you see it, but for our children, it gives them so much more of a rounder perspective, too, of the love of God, that, you know, God is the emotional lover that you can crawl up into his lap and say, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm depressed and I don't know what to do. And he's a shoulder to cry on, but he's also that God that's going to rough you up and, um, show you what holiness looks like. And so we see such a picture of the fullness of God, I believe in those compliments. And, uh, I know that your children uh, are going to benefit so much from God's grace through both you and David and the way that you are pressing on them. Well, uh, obviously been such a refreshing time to catch up and to hear your story. Just, just as we close, obviously adoption and orphan care has shaped the ministry of the Platt family because of just the day-to-day life you're, you're caring for children. uh, But it's also influenced the ministry that you've had at the churches that you've all been a privilege to be a part of and the way that that they all shaped uh, the ministry of IMB. So just, just briefly talk about how adoption, orphan care on a, on a macro level has really shaped your family. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, first of all, I think it's been really, I, I think this is one of the coolest things is that I, I know from just a variety of different ways that there are kids adopted in families because people have heard or been a part of in the churches that we've been a part of just the journey that we went on to adopt Caleb and Mary. So that's like super exciting to me to think that because maybe someone read our blog or someone um, heard of our story, that they would be more open to adoption because a lot of times I mean, when we see other people go through something and we, we watch how the Lord is, helps them and walks through it with them, we think, gosh, you know, we could do that. Mm. Dude, that's been really, really cool to be a part, just like we did that with the family that shared, shared with us. And we watched mm. other families go through adoption. I mean, one of the very first things that we, <laughs> that we experienced at Brook Hills, which this just cracks me up we had really didn't know very many families that adopted. We were brand new to Brook Hills and we met with one family and we were talking about, Oh yeah, we, we have adoption process uh, going on to Kazakhstan. We're adopting. And they were like, Oh really? Well, how many kids? And one, <laughs> and they're like, Oh yeah, we've adopted five. <laughs> we're like, Oh, okay. So there's something about just seeing other people walk through a process. It makes you a little braver to to, to do it and to, to, yeah, go for it. So that is like super cool to me that just even the, our obedience and adopting mm. and the way the Lord chose to form our family that like others have been blessed with that. So that's, that's totally cool. And then what's even better is getting to uh, do things together as a family in orphan care. And so just running the, the 5k the other day, It was just really sweet for our kids to to know that we were running on behalf of the unadopted around the world. And as we pray for them constantly around the table, and as we talk about it and talk about other kids that don't have families, and we pray for them, like that's we're we're including our kids in this this whole this whole picture of of orphan care. And then to get to go and experience it together. This last summer we had the opportunity to take our family. Um, with the church where we're serving now, McLean Bible Church. And we went to Ethiopia as a family uh, for the kids to serve with us. And and one of the areas we served in was in orphan care and several orphanages in Ethiopia. And for them to be on the ground in these orphanages, just loving on kids and helping bathe them and wash them and clean them up and clean their clothes and their bedding and just being a part of all of that was such a huge blessing for all four of my kids and just knowing that like the lord has weaved the fabric of our family together in this kind of way and just praying over these kids as we were playing with them and it was just really neat for it to kind of come around full full circle for them to be able to serve orphans um yeah in a different country so one of the most exciting things is getting to be able to do life together with them and and orphan care uh as a family
0: well, amen. And we are grateful and thankful for you, Heather, and for what you uh, mean to, uh, to our family, but also uh, in all the ways that the Lord is using you and David and your family uh, for the spread of the gospel to the nations and to encourage so many within the church to get engaged with orphan care, foster care, and adoption. And we know firsthand at Lifeline children that have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ uh, because they were adopted into a Christian family and for the willingness to allow the Lord to use you and your story to be a catalyst for that. Um, we are certainly grateful for that. Well, uh, we, uh, we, again, we're grateful and we're thankful. And uh, we just, uh, we pray for the Platts, and we hope that the Lord will continue to use your ministry in great ways.
1: Thanks. So much, Herbie. I really appreciate it. Thanks for thinking
0: of me to do this. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.